0: Welcome back to the I'm Curious podcast with your host, Katie Thrush. Today's episode is all about mental health and how it can affect our marriages. Why I wanted to do this episode is because I feel like this kind of topic isn't really mentioned a lot, especially when you're talking about mental health and talking about it with your spouse. So I wanted to open up that conversation and kind of make it a way for you to feel like you're not alone if you are in a marriage that either you or your spouse is kind of going through a rough time, and I just wanted to have that conversation be available to you as a resource. Not that I'm saying that I am a professional in this area at all, and I also think it's important to hear from people who have real stories and real struggles because on social media you can see all sorts of curated content and we can make people believe what they want to believe and I think it's also important for vulnerability and to talk about these things in, within your marriage and with others out there that feel like their marriage may not look a certain way. So that is why this episode is, is on this season, and I do feel like it can correlate really well with our mental health. So since we are on the topic of marriage, it only seemed appropriate to have my husband be the very first guest of the I'm Curious podcast. So without further further ado, David Thrush, the man, the legend, the husband. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. Hi, guys. Um, I, I'm honored to be on your podcast and also be your husband.
0: Oh, good. I'm glad that you feel that way. <laughs> so the reason why I wanted you on here was because... One, people want to get to know you, and the funniest thing about doing this, I had people on Instagram, I had them put a poll on who they would want to listen to most, like as a guest, and the number one person was you, which I think is hilarious because you are not one of those people that wants to do things like this. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all.
1: I always kind of figured my first podcast appearance would be sports-related. Uh, but I am happy to uh, to be here and support you and talk about some of these things because they are very important and yeah.
0: And we give the people what they want.: That's right.
1: <laughs> it gets the people going.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh my goodness. Okay, so for those people that don't know us and don't know our story, can you kind of elaborate on maybe your version of the story of how we met?
1: Um, well, we met at both of our alma mater. Uh, we met at Taylor, Taylor University. Um, I was a, <clears throat> excuse me, I was a senior and you were a transfer student. Um, And quite honestly, the first interaction I had with you <laughs> was I was an RA and had keys to storage, and one of the girls who worked at the front desk actually or um, called me and said, Hey, can you help a girl move a TV? And, uh, I, it happened just so happened to be you. Um, we'd never really had much interaction before. Um, uh, Taylor's sort of a small school though. So even, even, you know, if you may not know somebody, you probably know their name, you probably know their face. Um, mm-hmm. so I remember carrying that TV and trying to spark up conversation and I wasn't really getting much. Um, <laughs> I was kind of a flirt in college anyway, so... Yes, um, yes, you were. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember that interaction just being very awkward. Um, you gave a lot of one- and two-word answers, so I was like, well, she clearly doesn't want to talk to me, Okay, but,
0: but first, I need to clarify <laughs> really, really quick that the reason why I gave very one-worded answers to your questions was because I was absolutely terrified that I was going to say something really stupid... Because I thought, I thought you were the cutest boy that I had ever seen at Taylor. And I, I know I told you this, but when my mom moved me in to Taylor on Welcome Weekend, and I saw you in our, what is it, the, the lobby? The lobby, that's what it was. Duh, that's the word. I saw you in the lobby, and I remember I said to my mom, I was like, he is the cutest boy I've ever seen. And like I still remember that. And probably when I found out that you were going to be the person that was helping me with my TV, my mind just went to do not say anything stupid, do not mess this up. <laughs> <laughs> and in return, I messed it up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um it ended up being okay, though we um we were both on a what's called a pick-a-date. So for your non-Taylor people, um it is a group activity uh generally speaking it's you know a a, like a girl's floor would do an activity and all the girls ask a different guy um so it can be your boyfriend it's supposed to be kind of low-key um some girls can treat it like they're choosing a spouse
0: and which most girls thought of it that way yes which is it's so i don't want to say it's sad because it's not sad but it's kind of funny yeah like when you start saying this out loud It starts sounding really ridiculous. But on Taylor's campus or any really Christian campus, that's like the norm. But anyone who is not in that field knows that that just sounds absolutely ridiculous.
1: Yep, yep. Small Christian campus culture. Yes. It's okay. Um, We got through it. Yes. Uh, So we went on a photo scavenger hunt. Um, Katie actually ended up taking one of my good friends. Um, and I went with a girl, um, just as a friend, um, I, you know, someone that I knew not super well, um, but just went as a friend. Um, she asked me at the cookout like two days before, um, it was actually near the end of my senior year. So I had very low to no expectations for any of this, um, but thought, Hey, you know, it's, it's one of my last weekends on campus. Like, Hey, let's make the most of it. Like, you know, don't, don't say no to anything. Um, so we went, um, we got paired up. It was a photo scavenger hunt. Um, what was awkward is I said, I didn't really know the girl, which very well, which was true. Um, but we actually got partnered with a new couple, um, that
0: were still in like the honeymoon stage of like all over each all other. All over
1: each other. So that was kind of awkward, varying <laughs> degrees of commitment there. Um, but we did the photo scavenger hunt kind of ended up at the local, um, ice cream shop which is legendary Ivanhoe's 100 shakes 100 sundays on the on the menu
0: if you haven't heard of it in Upland Indiana make a road trip there because it is very worth it you will not be disappointed yes if you are an ice cream fan yes you will never be disappointed because there's probably a shake on there that is calling your name yes
1: small town Indiana at its finest um
0: <laughs> good plug for <laughs> yes Upland Indiana yes
1: um but we, uh, we ended up, I was just like, uh, immediately when we got back to Ivanhoe's, I was like, said to my, my good friend Cody, I was like, hey man, can we sit together? Because, I don't know, this has just been a really awkward experience, man. I it Just like, can we at least, you know, try and salvage this and have a good time?
0: And before you go on, I want to point out that me and your friend Cody, Cody Shireen, We won the scavenger hunt. So I want to make that very clear. We won that date. I just want to rub it in your face a little bit more.
1: I just want to make it clear that I I won that date.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Um,
1: But yeah, we uh, we got ice cream, um, had good conversation. um, And I remember uh, driving the group back um, to the dorm and within two minutes I was looking or I was trying to find Cody after having dropped him off and parked um asking hey she she, she's single right um are, Cody do, do you have do, is there any interest there would I be like <laughs> stepping on your toes here if I <laughs> um you know if I if I don't know if I started talking to Katie um and he was just like no man go for it I, I fair game no nothing you know we're, we're just friends um so I ended up seeing her a few other times um just after my interest had peaked um but I remember we were playing cornhole out out in front um and she and a friend were walking up and I invited them to play and she was just like no sorry and I was like
0: I had something very important to do
1: which later I found out she did I wasn't lying but but my thought was Eh, I graduate within the next week. Whatever. Like, that sucks that she's not intru- I t- I took it as a as a hard no. Um but that was not actually the case.
0: Yes, because I think it was within a day or two of me moving out of Taylor's um hall. We lived in the same dorm because seniors had to stay an extra day or two for graduation correct
1: we had to stay for graduation and then i was also an ra so right. i was shutting i was going shut to shut down the dorm so i right. was literally one of the last people on campus anyway
0: yeah i remember i wanted to actually tell you goodbye on campus but just with the timing of leaving campus and getting all my stuff back home to indianapolis um i decided to send a message on facebook so technically technically i slid into your dms (laughs) as the kids say these days um and kind of i think i just made a comment of hey i just wanted to uh i wanted to tell you bye before i left to go home for the summer uh really great meeting you and if you're ever in the indie area uh, hit me up. I'd love to hang out with you or something like that. I'm pretty sure that was the message.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and so that was my way of saying, hey, I'm still interested in you.
1: Yeah. I played. And it. I was
0: terrified to send that message. I remember <laughs> sending it. I was like, this is immediate regret. <laughs> like, You have no reason to be sending this message.
1: I played it cool and waited almost 24 hours, but then I sent her my number and had, had my sister lives in Indianapolis. Um, and so I... It was just, you know, i come down for Colts games and a lot of other things. Even though I lived a couple hours away, I was still down in Indy every once in a while. So, um, yeah, I waited almost 24 hours and replied, gave her my phone number. And um, she probably texted me within two hours of receiving that message.
0: (laughs) I I was like, okay, cool, I'm in. (laughs) According
1: to the unwritten rules, I was like, yeah, I think she's interested. This is actually pretty cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like... I just couldn't wait any longer. I was like, okay, cool. He thinks I'm cool. Let's, let's do this thing. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But I do think it was actually good. Um, Being long distance, it forced us to kind of get to know each other um, at a distance. And that wasn't the worst thing. Right. Um,
0: A lot of Skype dates. Yeah.
1: A lot of Skype dates. But I, I think that was good. I mean, we had a lot of good conversations and got to know each other and, um, Yeah. I I think it ended up being a very positive thing for us and for our story. Um, not that I would endorse distant, long distance relationships necessarily, but, but it ended up being a good thing for us. It, you know, I know sometimes people or couples when they're in front of each other, you know, can get lost in physical attraction or, or whatever else and caught up in that. And we, I feel like we ended up getting to know each other very well. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would say it was a positive thing. And then we were dating a couple months later and engaged a year later and married a year after that. And here we are married almost six years, almost
0: six years, which is crazy to think. Yeah. Yeah. That's that is our story.
1: That is our story.
0: <laughs> Slid into the DMs.
1: <laughs> Happily ever after.
0: Happily ever after. So there is hope out there. Slide into those DMs. Don't do it in a creepy way, though. Just make it cool like I did. <laughs> so since we're in the topic of talking about mental health and marriage, I feel like it'd be really interesting to hear your thoughts on what your biggest takeaways are from our first year of marriage or even what your advice would be to engage couples or even just newlyweds
1: yeah uh, definitely uh, a lot of transition and learning happened during that time yes <laughs> um, I know a lot of people would describe their first year of marriage as tumultuous I, I wouldn't call ours that we you know had had some challenges and things that we had to to navigate but um, it was it was a cool time in life um, you're still we were living in upland and I was transitioning into being a nurse and lo- what that looked like as a career, and you were finishing up as a student at Taylor, so it was kind of neat to start out there in a place that we both loved. Um, I would say my biggest advice would actually be um, i know I know when we first got married I, I felt like I had to hang out with you all the time um, like we we didn't we didn't live together before we were married and i I was so excited to be married like I felt like I just had to be with you all the time um I'm just that cool yeah I mean you are but I, I I think like like I felt guilty if I was just gonna be like okay I'm I'm gonna go work out like I felt bad saying that and then leaving you know right um so I I don't know if any anybody else would struggle with that or not but I think the the takeaway or the lesson is don't be afraid to take care of yourself um and you are still a whole person you're not just a spouse like you have other roles um so it's okay to you know have a night with the guys or um you know take if you're an introvert if you just need a little time to recharge like that's that's okay or quiet time or working out like that's that's okay if it's going to help you be a better you um and therefore be a better spouse um you know, the, you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, so that would be, I guess that would be my advice is also make sure you take care of yourself so you can serve your spouse well and be a good spouse. Um, I think that would be, I think that would be my, my advice for that.
0: Yeah, I know. I think that's really valid because I know I struggle with that even To this day. And that's probably just me being an Enneagram 2. Where I take care of everybody else except myself. So that's... It's a good reminder. Because you are more than just labels. That you feel like the world has put on you. Or maybe you put on yourself. Um, So no. That's really... That's a valid point. I think for me... I would probably... I'd probably say... One piece of advice that we got from premarital counseling, actually, that I still think about. Um, I remember we were sitting at Taylor University's counseling center with our counselor, and she brought up this example of of toothpaste. And I remember leaving that conversation. I was like, why did we just talk about toothpaste? Like, how does that have anything to do with marriage? and what she was explaining was for toothpaste the goal is to brush your teeth but for toothpaste there are several different ways that you can get the toothpaste out of the tube you can either roll it up like really meticulously to get every inch of the toothpaste out and so you're not wasting anything or you can just squeeze the tube and not really care about how much is coming out or even if there's even waste. And for me, I think I realized that that played a huge part into our first year of marriage because even though we were on the same team and had the same goals of, yes, we're married and this is like what what we're put on this earth for is for each other and for building up our family, we have different ways of going at the same goals and same, same things. And I realized that I'm the one that just squeezes the tube and just, I don't care about if I used up all, if I used up all of the toothpaste. And David's the one that would meticulously that roll squeezes down. the
1: toothpaste correctly from the end <laughs> scrapes it from the end forward and rolls it up nicely and neatly
0: so needless to say <laughs> we both have separate toothpaste because we realized <laughs> that that makes such a huge difference of we're both we are both in this marriage together but we both have different ways of going at the same goals and so I think that's a super important thing to remember especially if you are in that first year of marriage. Like it's not easy, but it's also it's a year of learning each other and loving each other and remembering the reasons why you got married. Since we talked about our our toothpaste debacle, we can talk about maybe strategies to navigate disagreements and how to actually have healthy conflict. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that with regard to conflict or disagreements, one of my absolute most favorite sayings, and to me it makes a lot of sense, is that anger is the result of unmet expectations. Um, And you could really substitute anger for disappointment or hurt or disagreements or you, you could pro- probably swap that word um, but in the at the end of the day you know someone may have an expectation and maybe they have communicated that maybe they have not communicated that but it, you, you know it comes down to communication is key um, if one party expects something um the other party does not know that you know um people aren't mind readers um, we don't always get it right um so i communication really um it is key and when you are having a conflict you you do have to listen um consider the other person's viewpoint and really try and understand that and 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 just hang in there, um, you know. Um, I feel like too often we react with anger, um, or we kind of snap back just to be hurtful, or and, and don't actually take the time to listen and communicate. If that makes sense, um, I don't know if like the idea of don't go to bed angry. Truly depicts this, but like, you know, if something's wrong, go fix it.
0: Yeah. Like, stay in the room.
1: Stay in the room. That's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think communication is so vital to your marriage. Like, it's not even an option to not have that. Because, I mean, the reason why you decide to get married is because you enjoyed the other person's company. And I think it's so important to remember that we need, we were built on this earth to be in community with one another. Like God, God didn't make us to just be individuals and not be with one another. And I think that goes really well with conflict because it's not just a one-sided thing. Like we are, we need to have an open an honest conversation with the people around us and that includes your spouse. Like you can't just sweep it under the rug and just expect it to magically disappear and everything is just sunshine and rainbows and cupcakes. Like you need to show up and be be there for your marriage and yeah, you also need to have the hard conversations too, the uncomfortable situations. Like it's so important to just show up shut up and figure your crap out
1: yeah well and I think too so for me at least some of that comes back to also grace oh yeah um and giving the other person grace you know that you would hopefully want to receive like it'd be easy to get upset at little things because the laundry wasn't folded or the dishwasher was loaded wrong um but you know in the big picture does that matter um you know and how many habits do you have that your spouse could maybe say something about too like um right
0: just so you know that we live right next to a train track so if you're hearing this don't be alarmed we just live next to a train yep just wanted to put a disclaimer there
1: (laughs) yep it's all good um you know, just like navigating the conflict of a train in your podcast. Right. No, I'm kidding. That's terrible. <laughs> um but yeah, just uh I, I think grace, giving giving yourself some grace, giving one another some grace and um communicating through a lot of those things um are some good things to remember with with regard to, to conflict.
0: Yeah. And I think that plays really well into if you're married and if you have kids I think expectations, if they are not met, um, we can really either beat ourselves up on expectations not being met or being upset with our partner because in our head, things were not met. And like you said, laundry might just pile up, dishes might not be always clean or available, but I think the most important thing out of all of that is... Are you taking care of your family? Are you, t- are you loving your family well? I think that's way more important than a few dishes being in the sink.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's big ticket items and then there are other things that just really don't matter that much in the big scheme of things. Right. But even if you are going through a big ticket item, you know, like, like Katie had said, stay in the room. Um, you know, even if it takes some time um, and some extra grace and communication it's it's worth it's worth fighting for
0: yeah so we're gonna kind of change direction here and we're gonna talk about one of the things that I love the most and I probably talk about the most with you and we're gonna talk about the Enneagram because I feel like it changes the way that we communicate with one another and especially if you're married i feel like you can use that as a really good resource or it could be overkill (laughs) depending on how you're perceiving it
1: i don't think it's possible to be a millennial with a podcast and not talk about the enneagram (laughs) oh
0: my gosh it's so true (laughs) i'm sorry i'm a typical millennial but
1: it's okay i can't help it (laughs) no i don't like that label but anyway um no i i think the the enneagram um I think I think it is valuable to have some insight with regard to your motivations um I I know some people may not identify well with those like personality tests um I've done many different ones over the years um the first time that I interacted with the Enneagram I was kind of confused by it and I didn't fully get it um but as it kind of came back into popularity these last few years, I've I've really come to appreciate it. Um, I'm a three with a two wing, um, and Katie is a two, I'm a two. with a three <laughs> wing.
0: Oh, um, we're so good together. Yes, yes, God yes. made us together. <laughs> so,
1: um, and I some. You know depending on what you read, some people may match better than others
0: or completely um, clash
1: or completely clash,
0: but um, somehow make it work,
1: yeah, opposites attract right um but i it is it's cool for me it did help me know some and recognize some of my own different motivations in life, but it also kind of helps me understand katie um you know with her as a two like she is a helper. Um, she does love people very, very well, um, and invests in them very, very well. Um, and I feel like I've seen that in the ways that she has supported me in our marriage. Um, you know, with me working and going to grad school and you know, she's always been supportive and encouraging and not once lamented the fact that I spend hours on homework and studying and, and you know, hours away from home doing clinical, um, you know, just, uh, it's been cool to see like the ways that she has loved and supported me, um, and does that for others. Um, and I also recognize that she does enjoy all the feelings. (laughs) Sometimes I don't, um, no, you,
0: you want to just kind of put those away, (laughs) but
1: that I do need to kind of check in with her as well and ask like, Hey, how, How are you? Like, are you doing okay? Um, How does
0: that really make you feel?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I can read her pretty well, though, like, and know when something is off. But it's, you know, it is important for her to be able to express those things, even though I don't always want to talk about the feelings-y stuff. Um, But yeah, I don't know. (laughs) You
0: married me, pal. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. Yep. Just like you're going to talk about stuff on my podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh.
0: Yeah. No, I feel like it is a very good resource depending on how you perceive it. Um, I think for for us I think I was the one that I took a class at our church and I learned all about each number, each wing, how they work, how you can kinda of see God work into different personalities into different motivations what our core fears are what our core desires are and it's so interesting um and there are so many different resources out there that I feel like if you're not religious at all like you don't have to view the Enneagram in a religious way that's just what David and I we're both Christians and we find that we can find Christ in the Enneagram with us. So I don't want you to feel like if you're not a Christian, like this doesn't pertain to you. Like you can still take the Enneagram test and find, find different resources for you out there. Uh, Just wanted to make that a disclaimer. But for us, I feel like I can see David in a whole new light because of reading and kind of doing my own homework on, what his motivations are, what his goals are, because I remember when we first got married, I could not understand for the life of me why he would. I would find post it notes around our house and they had these very detailed lists of what he needed to get done for the day like cut his hair, mow the lawn, what were some other ones? Like make a bill out to so and so. It was just like, Why can't you just remember that on your own? Why do you need to write this down on the post-it note? Like, in my head, it didn't make sense. But for him, that's how he processes things and how he gets his goals done. And I realized how goal-oriented he was and how important that is for him. Because that's his sense of accomplishment. And, I mean, it's not a bad thing to make lists. I'm all for making lists. But for for someone like me, that is very hard for me to understand. And his motivations to do really well in school and be the best husband, be the best father, um, be the best friend and sibling or son. I feel like it does help a lot with me understanding a lot of just ways that he perceives things. Because like he's Like he said, I am very feelings-oriented, and he would rather not talk about it. It's not that he will never talk about feelings. He's very open, but I feel like I can understand when, if he's feeling stressed, like, why is he feeling stressed? Does it have anything to do with unmet goals that he wants to do, or feeling stressed about a test that... In his head, he feel like he could fail, and it's going to mess up the trajectory of like schooling and all sorts of stuff. So I have to remember what are the, co- the, the core motivations? what are his desires? what are his deepest fears? And that actually plays really well into understanding my husband better. And I think it's, it's actually a really cool tool.
1: But for the record, someone out there will appreciate my to-do lists and also does that themselves. And I'm even weird enough that if I do something that wasn't on the list, I will write it in so I can cross it off. <laughs> but <laughs> um, e- even though I, I feel like we have appreciated the Enneagram, I, I do think that it's not the end-all, be-all. Oh, absolutely. Per- personality tests are not the end-all, be-all. Um you know, someone out there may identify more with Finder or Myers-Briggs or even in our own marriage, we have talked about and gained some help from the love languages. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, just like I really enjoy quality time um, and, and I believe you, that was one of yours as well. Yeah, that was uh, t-
0: one of the top ones
1: so you know um quality time or acts of service or words of affirmation is another one another big one for me
0: physical touch I think is one
1: yeah um you know so just knowing and understanding um and using those not not as a framework for your marriage but as a tool to help you love and serve your spouse better I guess is the ultimate ultimate I mean ultimate lesson to be to be gained from some of these things um the is definitely in vogue right now, but um, I feel like it is it is interesting to kind of see how you click um, together and then individually and and how that works because sometimes marriage and community and everything else sometimes that can be messy.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Since we're on the topic of things being messy, what would you say are like tangible ways that you can support your spouse if they are like in a rough season um
1: it can be very difficult to watch your spouse go through a rough time um and i think that each unique individual is maybe going to need something different support wise um but ultimately at the end of the day you have to find a way to love your spouse well that can be very frustrating at times um you know if you're walking through somebody with it's grief or loss or depression or whatever it is, it can be heartbreaking to watch your loved one go through that and have that maybe even affect your relationship a little bit, but even if it is leaving a encouraging sticky note um or bringing home flowers randomly one day or taking care of a chore so that they don't have to um or even just carving out some time for a date or a movie night um or a cup of coffee just getting away from from it all like um just finding small ways to show that you care can really go a long way and kind of like you had said earlier just just stay in the room um just hang with it and, and, and fight fight for your marriage fight for your spouse and that's it's it's a marathon not a sprint it's yeah. you're not you can't always fix things for that person you can't really even fix that person uh when it's all said and done but you can be there and show up and be consistent and that's not always easy Uh it's really not, but it's kind of what you signed up for with vows.
0: <laughs> yeah. I um, mean in sickness and in health, that's like right. that is that is what you say in your in your vows, say in front of God and your friends and family. And that I think those vows really play into those times. Yeah. No, I think I think what we need to remember is they don't have to be grand gestures. It's, you're literally, you just need to do the tangible things. And the tangible things are what makes the biggest difference, in my opinion. And I feel like I can say this only because, I mean, with our marriage, I've gone through seasons of depression and anxiety and postpartum depression. And I can safely say that even just you loving me and just simple hugs and just saying i love you and i'm here for you those make the biggest differences it's when you don't say anything at all and just pretend like nothing's really happening that's when it, it is that's when it hurts the most so if you having Times in your marriage where if you're not sure how to communicate that with your spouse or how to love your spouse during those times, you just need to sit sit there, listen. And you need to also remember, do you need to be giving advice or are they just needing you to have someone talk about this with? Because that's so important too. Because if they're not there to listen... To what advice you have for them, that's it's not going to make a difference, and it's not going to help their situation. And I think for for me, I have as an enneagram too, we want to help people, and sometimes that means I feel like I can fix anything, I can fix anyone's situation, I have the right answers, I have a savior complex (laughs) where. I feel like I I should be the one that can fix it. And sometimes that plays into depression. And when I'm in a season of depression, I feel like I have to, I have to figure it out by myself. I can't bring in other people. I don't want to be a burden to my husband or to my family or be a disappointment to him because yet again, I'm going through another season of depression. Like it's for me, in that time, I'm embarrassed. I am ashamed that I'm going through those times again. But I also have to remember that a marriage involves two people. And it means I need to allow my other person to be there with me during that time. And he needs to show up for me in the way that he can, not in the way that I I believe that he should.
1: Well, and I, I think it but I I would also say though I I think it it's okay to ask how can I how can I what can I do for you right even you know you may not get an answer but what what can I what can I do do you just need to vent would it be okay to give you some advice um I feel like that's just decent communication skills in general um and even if you are in a bad place and you don't know the words to say if all I mean seriously if all you have is I love you and I want to help help you through this and let's figure this out together that's that's okay you have to start somewhere right um you know sometimes you do have to navigate those waters together and it is unknown and it, it is scary and you may not feel like you have the answers um but you do have each other and I think I said this earlier but it's it's worth it's worth fighting for
0: yeah for our last question I feel like it's appropriate to kind of talk about how being parents plays into your marriage and how it can affect your relationship and even your mental health um especially since we've added a second baby girl to our, to our family. Um, I guess what I want to ask is, how do you feel like having kids has changed your marriage?
1: Yeah, that's, I, think, I think that's a valid question. I think, I think every couple um, is different. I think every couple is probably going to have a different vision for what their family looks like um and how they view having kids and when they want them and um some people may not want them some people may have trouble getting pregnant i mean it's you know everybody this can affect families very differently um i know for us we definitely wanted kids and we're very excited when that did happen it does kind of turn your life upside down (laughs) um it's it's good it's all worth it um you know it's it's interesting though i think the biggest one of the stories that i really remember though is we celebrated our um second wedding anniversary when our oldest daughter aria um she's about to be 4 here soon um but when she turned 1 we were celebrating our second wedding anniversary um and Actually, I know I said that wrong. she, when she, was, yes, about, she, was, she was. She was two mo- months old. She was two, about two months old when we had been married for two years. Sorry, yes. I said that wrong. It's all good. Um, and <laughs> math it, is hard. It was funny. We were brand new parents and sleep deprived, and we we went out to a nice restaurant, and it was funny because it was almost awkward because we didn't have her with us, and she had been the absolute focus of the last few months, and we almost like had trouble carrying a conversation and came back to, I wonder how Ari is doing <laughs> like, right. Um,
0: Typical first time parents.
1: Yeah. And, and that's okay. And that it happens, but we kind of came to this realization of, well, we have this beautiful child, but we are also still a couple. Um, and I, I think that's important to remember, um, you know, having a, having a child or children, doesn't fix things. Um. No, you know not it, at all. It yeah, it, it it helps you well, it forces you to be better communicators and be a better and stronger team.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I know it's brought challenges, but I personally I have absolutely loved building a family together and seeing that grow and I mean our our two girls have brought me and our marriage has brought me more joy than anything else. Um <clears throat> excuse me. Um so f- I mean for that just kids added to that um and augmented that. Um but it's not it's not all you know all rainbows and unicorns. We do have little girls so it kind of is all rainbows and unicorns. And glitter and pink. And glitter and pink and and it's awesome, but it it can definitely add challenges. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you're still a couple. Um, there's a reason you entered into that relationship and took those vows and you have to think about how your relationship with your spouse also impacts your children, um, as well. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely... Kind of scary to think that you're molding uh, small human beings. But yeah. it's also an awesome opportunity to be on the same team and, and raise those kids together. I know. I know it's been... I've viewed it as being a pretty awesome thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, you kind of touched on the topic of molding. What you do in your marriage can kind of affect your children and I think it's really interesting how, well, not interesting, it's kind of scary, like you said. Um, it's, you need to remember that you're, you and your partner, you set the precedence of what your children will perceive what a relationship will look like or what a marriage should look like. And I think that's something that I've had to come back to several times especially now that our oldest daughter is four years old and will repeat anything that you say pretty much. Like their memory is there and they will remember things and tell you about them for weeks and weeks to come and even months later. So I think that is really important to remember because the way that you talk to your spouse and treat your spouse is ways that they're going to pick up on and perceive how they're going to talk to their future spouse. So I I also think it's important to have healthy dialogue with your spouse and have them know that maybe mom and dad don't agree on certain things all the time, but at the end of the day they're going to love each other and they're also going to forgive each other. Because I know there are some families that never fought in front of each other, not in front of the kids or anything. So they're not going to know how to navigate healthy fighting or just conflicts. So I think it's interesting to talk about that because we are now in that time of our parenthood where we have to remember ways that we speak to each other also creates a big impact later on for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's um it's definitely a unique challenge <laughs> with kids. Um but it's it's definitely a team effort. <laughs> um even though sometimes I do say, "No, just go ask your mother." But yeah, it's um I'm sure that it re- it represents something different for each family, but I know for us our girls have been a great source of joy and a big challenge at the same time, but something that we really did want to invest in, and um, I know something that I feel like has brought us closer together in the long run. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I, I think that's all we have for you guys, and by by no means is our marriage perfect. Um, we are just two flawed people, uh, that are trying to honor God and each other in this marriage. And if you ever have any other questions, uh, comments or anything, uh, feel free to, to reach out, um, to Katie or myself, but, um, we hope you've enjoyed this and learned a thing or two. And we definitely do present this to you out of a place of humility. No one is perfect. Um, you are a saint for listening to us this long. Yes. Um so kudos to reaching for reaching the end of this podcast. Um but we do hope that you maybe learned a thing or two, um, hopefully had a laugh or two and hope that maybe you can gain something from this.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for spending this almost hour with us. Um we feel like it's really important to talk about these things and also just be humble and say that we don't have our crap all together. But we still show up and we love each other. And that's all you can really do is just love each other and just be there. And yeah, just show up. Show up, be in the room. If you haven't already, subscribe and Share with your friends if you feel like this is a podcast that they would really enjoy listening to because I'm curious.